welcome to Revolutionary Health, the show that focuses on Black gay men's health and wellness. I'm your host, Michael Ward. As always, make sure you check us out on social media at The Counter Narrative, Facebook and Instagram, at Building Desire on Twitter. Like, subscribe, follow, comment, tell a friend to tell a friend. This week, I am back with Executive Director Charles Stevens. We've got <laughs> Daddy Rod Onyx, and we've got Dennis Hardy joining me this week so we can talk about our experiences voting here in Georgia um, as well. But I'll just kick it over to you, Charles. You can start the show, and then we'll go into voting. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Uh, before we get started with our show, the, uh, we wanted to begin with some really, really, really um, horrific news. Um, the AJC is reporting that a 27-year-old man was shot and killed by the Atlanta police Friday evening uh, at a Wendy's drive-through. His name was uh, Richard Brooks, and apparently, well, according to the agency's reporting, uh, 10:30 last night outside of the Wendy's on University Avenue, um, I guess officers were called to the restaurant uh, because they received a complaint about uh, what, as they say, a man was sleeping in his vehicle, which was Richard. And um, they apparently gave the police that arrived on the scene gave him a sobriety test, and. Uh, Essentially, they tried to arrest him um, for failing the sobriety test, and uh, it all ended up culminating in the really, really horrific death of, of Richard Brooks. This is another, yet another uh, shooting of someone by a Black person by the cops, um, and then it's just uh, really distressing. I think it absolutely puts the rage and work that many of us are involved in in context. And so, but we wanted to begin the show, even though we're talking about voting and our experiences voting, wanted to begin the show just acknowledging what happened um, and, and I think really standing in solidarity with our sisters and brothers that are, um, you know, resisting. And most importantly, calling on the powers that be, the elected officials, to address what's happening. This is unacceptable. This is, as I said before, absolutely horrific. I'm angry. I know a number of us are angry. And at the Counter Narrative Project, you know, so much of our work has absolutely been about resisting state violence. And I think this is just another manifestation of that. Uh, before we go into the show, do any of do y'all have reactions you want to share? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Or protesting. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. It's uh, trigger-happy policing, as public enemy used to say. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Mm. Last week, we also did a show on called, pro called uh, about policing policy in, in public health. And we invite you to check that out. We um, talked uh, in depth about just what's happening with regard to the anti-Black uh, violence that we're being subjected to and also the resistance and what, what are the implications of that for public health. So we wanted to just open a show uh, just discussing that. And of course, we absolutely encourage you to share just your thoughts, insights. What do you think should happen? Um, I know there's been a call to uh, defund the police. I know some people say it's not defunding, it's divesting from police. Um, and we could, maybe that's a show that we should do down the road, just kind of breaking that down. I know there are a lot of thoughts about what that means. I know me and Dennis have had some conversations about that. 
So, um, but with that, I'm gonna uh, turn it back over to Michael. Thank you for just letting me have the space to just kind of talk about this, and I guess we'll go on to voting. Yeah, thank you. I definitely appreciate you for holding space for it. Uh, you know what happened? Definitely horrific news. Um, but as well, we just want to talk about voting and our experiences. So. Um, I want to start with you, Dennis, because I think out of all of us, you had one of the better experiences with voting um, last week. So just tell us how was your experience? Yeah, so um, for me, it wasn't it wasn't bad. Um, <laughs> I live in the hood. I live uh, in Vine City, um, and so anytime I go to vote, there's not usually a long line. Um, I was like a little church and surrounded by like four or five abandoned, abandoned houses and a school across the street. So um, there's nobody usually going down that street. Um, so it's a weird place to put a, a polling station. Um, but I got there, it was like three of us pull up at the same time. And uh, the longest part was was getting my ID scanned um, before I voted. So I was in and out in less than 10 minutes. And um, that was fortunate for me. And um, it's fortunate and also sad, because where, where was everybody else? Where is everybody else all the time? Um, and um, just thinking about, thinking about the, the, the different experiences that everybody else had, personalized. Yeah, I think we're getting a little feedback, Dennis. Could you repeat that last part? I'm sorry, Michael. I'm like, Michael's a moderator. No, <laughs> come on. I'm trying to like wait for it to come. It's all good. Sorry. <laughs> No, I was saying, like, I was fortunate to, you know, be in and out um, that quickly, but, um, you know, it makes me reflect on the fact that everybody else had to, like, do, like, these ridiculous wait times and had to go through all this trouble. Um, so we really have to, like, think about this, uh, the way the system disenfranchises people, especially people that look like us, so. Of course, I got questions. <laughs> <laughs> what questions do you have, Charles? Um, wait, what time did you go vote? I went to, okay, so a <laughs> little personal information. So I went to vote when I woke up, um, and I wake up about noon, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I went to vote at, like, noon. Okay. <laughs> gotcha. Why you ask that? Do you think that makes a difference in the time that you went, he went to vote? You know, I thought, because I thought he was going to tell me 7 a.m., he <laughs> At, you know, six forty-five. Absolutely and, not. <laughs> got there, I, I'm going to sleep till like three, four. So I'm not up there. The older crew. Yeah, I was there early. Um, I actually got to the polls at six twenty-five-ish a.m. Um, because I already knew I wanted to vote before work. Um, so my voting experience started with my missing absentee ballot. That um. I applied for April 15th. Uh, May 29th, I got an email that said, you know, your absentee ballot is on the way. It might be delayed. Check your mailbox. Um, well, I check my mailbox every day and my absentee ballot still has not shown up. So I figured, you know, Friday, I would um, go ahead and just, if it didn't come, you know, I would go ahead and go vote early. Didn't work out the way I anticipated with the day job. But I ended up getting to the polls Tuesday, 6.20 a.m., because I figured most people probably had the same experience as I did with not getting the absentee ballots. So I was there with the early birds. So, of course, the polls open at 7. Um, I'm maybe about the 
30th person in line at this point at 6.20 a.m. Um, I voted outside of uh, Tri-Cities High School, Jefferson, uh, Jefferson Recreation Center. Uh, so I was there 6.20 a.m., like thir- 30th person, whatever, in line. So they're still setting up everything. Uh, we've still got the poll workers coming out, putting out chairs, trying to organize the line, um, trying to sanitize everything, get it clean. Um <laughs> All of those things. So, you know, of course, the polls open at seven. We're still standing there like, okay, is is anything going to happen? What are we going to, what's going on here? So by the time that I finally get to the front, the the poll work still doing their thing. There's only actually two people checking folks in. So I'm like, okay, cool. Two people. They really don't look like they know what they're doing. I'm not really sure. But one of the women that was actually going up there actually had to instruct the poll worker how to scan the ID um, and get the information for the stylist. So I was like, this is okay. This is really interesting. So as I'm coming to uh, coming around the corner, whatever, there's only two machines, like the two stand up machines. Um, They really don't give instructions as far as what you do once you actually print the ballot out to put it in the Dropbox. And I'm just sitting there like, okay, this is really going to be like a shit show because (laughs) I don't think they know what they're doing. And most of the people in line uh, were older people with me. So I'm like, okay, this is already going to be an interesting experience working in technology. Um, I don't even think most of the machines were working. By the time that I got up there to, to vote, it was maybe about eight, eight ish maybe 8 a.m.-ish by the time I actually got up there to vote. So I'm sitting there filling everything out, got the thing that printed out, and I'm like, well, what do y'all want me to do with, like, the thing that's printed out? Because y'all didn't really give me any instructions. So the lady's like, well, put it in the lockbox. She'll be good, whatever. Come drop the stylus off and just leave the card on the table. And I'm like, and get a sticker. And I'm like, well, I don't get a receipt. Like, is there any confirmation that I voted? Where is this lockbox going? Like, I really don't feel comfortable about this. So by the time that I get out and everything like that, I see the line is all the way up the street. Like there's cars parked on the street, cars still coming in, no sort of organization. Um, They finally finished setting the chairs out for um, disabled uh, people. And I'm like, was this not supposed to be out ahead of time? Why are y'all still working to get this thing out? So by the time that I got back in my car, it was maybe about, I don't remember what time I ended up texting y'all. It was maybe like 8, 20, 8, 30-ish by the time that I got back in my car to make it back home to work from home at 9 a.m. And I was like, literally, yeah, that was my experience. I wish I kind of had Dennis's experience of just being in the hood and getting in there early, but I thought I lived in hood adjacent as well. You live in hood, Jason. I live in the hood. I'm not not convinced. (laughs) I thought I was hood adjacent, so I really was like, okay, cool. But even even looking at the people standing in line, it was not many young people. It was still a look. It was still an older crowd of people um, that that were in line. I wish I would have seen more young black men um, in line as well, exercising their right to vote. But yeah. We'll we'll see how this thing plays out in November <laughs> with it. How was your experience, Daddy, right? Uh, like Dennis, mine was pretty easy. I'm a firm believer in early voting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when, before COVID, the 
voting earlier started, I think, in late February through early March. So I went the first week in March. And I live in South Cab. So my polling place was at South Cab Mall. And I was in and out in five minutes. I mean, they had the desk there, sign in, put, you know, get that little card from me, put the thing in, shoot, 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 and I was gone. So the reason why I got an absentee ballot also is because I think they had more uh, nominees for like positions or whatever that weren't on the ballot back during the early voting since they kept being postponed or whatever like that. Mm-hmm. That's why I had to vote like twice. But with the cab, I will admit, I once I um, requested it online to get it, I got it within like three days. Nice. And I took a little bit of time to research the candidates that had like, there was, if there were like multiple candidates, because a lot of them were just single people. So, but uh, other than that, mine was cool. You know, I had an envelope to put it in, mailed it off. Only thing I did not like though, and we talked about this, I think on a private call, but you had to pay to have your absentee ballot sent. So technically that's a poll tax. I didn't think you had to do that. But nevertheless, I said, I'm gonna just pay it 55 cents, whatever. And so for me, it was cool. And I stress to everyone, early vote. Because I think here in Georgia, you have it all through the week and even on the weekend. So I know everyone's work schedule is very different, but especially after COVID, I was like, when they kind of reopened up the early voting thing still, I was like, early vote, early vote. People didn't do it. And I was like, because I kind of felt this was going to happen. Because I was like, because even when I went, even though I was, my experience was quick, a lot of the people still were learning the machines because you put in the your your key thing, you punch it in, and you get a paper receipt saying that you, you voted. So that was your proof that you voted. So I still have it. And uh, but whatever what what transpired last week was like wow. So I like you said three hours. I talked to a friend of mine, a coworker who was spent. I think five hours in line. And I said, but I, she was a young girl and I gave her credit for even staying. Yes. So some people would have been like, fuck it, I'm not going to vote. She's like, mm-hmm. no. Because I think if anything, what brought a lot of young people out, unfortunately, was happened to Brianna and Aubrey and George. And they was like, we got, you know, we got to vote. And, and uh, so I think with, uh, what's the word I'm trying to say? The splurge of people, new people voting. Unfortunately, the, the not uh, the, the unproper training of the equipment and the staff, the equipment failure, and then it's COVID. We can't we can't deny COVID is still happening. So they have to space things out. They got clean. So you had a perfect storm of just like drama. And uh, so I'm so glad I early voted, and I won't be doing it at all. <laughs> I am not standing in line no six hours to vote. I'm like, that's just really dick. I mean, if I have to, I will. But early voting is the thing to do. <laughs> Good. Well, I'm definitely glad that you got your ballot. And as well with the um, the person that stayed for four to five hours, I think that was one of the things that, you, like you mentioned in the perfect storm, a lot of people were deterred by that weight, you know, standing in these long lines and not having enough time as well. And most of the polls had to stay open past seven o'clock because people were still in line, you mm-hmm. know? And I'm, I'm so glad that the people did not leave because 
just just thank the people that stayed after seven because that's a commitment. And it shouldn't it really shouldn't have to be that way. And uh-huh. I want to touch on one more thing too. As far as when it comes to uh, the poll workers that were untrained, I, I know AJC reported as well that some of the training dates and all of that had to be, or some of the training had to be online training because of COVID. You know, right. so most of these poll workers were getting there, didn't really understand the machines and everything. Um, Angelica Ross uh, of Pose, the actress from Pose as well, I, I believe she put out an Instagram video saying that she had to help open the polls and train some of the workers to get there. And I kind of felt that way too with my voting experience. Like I said, I felt like they didn't really have adequate training to know what they were doing um, a lot of those times. For those who vote a lot, who, who is usually there staffing? Who, I mean, usually the staff is usually older people. Right. A lot of these older people due to COVID either decide to stay home or maybe are sick, I don't know. So you had an influx of new people who weren't used to how everything works. You have a new system. Unfortunately, you know, not good training. You know, it was just, it was a mess. It was a mess. So. Yes, I agree. So let's get to you, Mr. Charles Stevens. <laughs> I think out of all of us, save the best for last. <laughs> I think that you take the trophy for your voting experience. <laughs> so, I, like I had to channel, I had to channel <laughs> all the ancestors. When I was, I, I had to channel all the ancestors. I was okay. First of all, I normally do early voting. I normally do early voting. I go down to the Fulton County Government Center. I vote usually. I'm like the first day, first morning. I think with COVID and everything that was happening, I couldn't decide on a. There wasn't a plan that emerged that made sense. I. Wanted to do early voting, but then the timing just didn't work out. My work, I had a particularly crazy work schedule, so it just couldn't couldn't work. Um, then I tried to get an absentee ballot, and then that didn't work out. So it was just like a lot of barriers. So finally, I was like, okay, we're going to wait until Tuesday, Tuesday election day. I'm going to vote on election day. Rarely vote on election day. I probably haven't voted on an actual election day in a long time. But I will say that in my precinct, even on election day, I've never really had a, a long line. I was like, okay, well, maybe... Because I was also hearing that for folks that voted early, there were a lot of lines. So that made me think, well, maybe there was a lot of energy around the early voting, but on election day, maybe it won't be that bad because folk, a lot of folks did early voting. I don't know why I thought that. Get there at... Get to my precinct, of uh, the Lindsay Street Baptist Church um, in Vine, English Avenue, Vine City Community, Get there at 7.05 a.m. So I think I'm doing good. I'm like, you know, even though it's election day, I'm going to get there. The polls open at 7 a.m. I'm there at 7.05. Clearly, there might be a few people. That's fine. Why pull up (laughs) in the parking lot and I can already see a line going around the parking lot all the way to the back? I have never in my entire 20 plus years of voting have seen a line out the door. Because even in 2008, when Obama got elected, I... I voted, which I understand that in that the two what is it two thousand and eight there was like a you know like long lines and stuff. I voted early then I think so I didn't experience that. Yeah, so there was a line around like all around the parking lot, <laughs> and I had to give myself I had to do a self talk. I'm like, okay, COVID's out there. Some of these folks ain't got no masks. I'm just I don't know how I feel about this. Gave myself a talk until I was like, okay, we're gonna make this work. Parked got in line, but the line's not moving. Like, 
The doors open at 7 a.m., allegedly. It's supposed to open at 7. Why? No one's going in. Everyone's standing. Some people are sitting, sitting down. Mm-hmm. 30 minutes later, someone comes out. And I'm going to tell y'all, like, I'm not going to give y'all the whole, whole story because there's a, a longer version. <laughs> We're talking like five hours. But I'll just say that for just try to be somewhat, somewhat brief. <laughs> so after 30 minutes, someone comes out and, outside and says, the machines are down. The machines are down. So I'm like, after 30 minutes, we were standing in line. We find out the machines are down. And I'm like, well, how, how are the machines down? What's going on? I got out of line and I left. I was like, I just have to come back because I don't know how long the machines are going to be down because they weren't even like detected. They kept saying the technicians on their, on their way, but I wasn't sure how long it was going to take. And I was like, uh. So I went home. And I was like, so what am I going to do? <laughs> and I was like, uh, okay, fine. I'll get back in line. So I went back. Got, I returned about 7.50, 7.55 a.m. to get back in line. I was, and I was like, I guess I'm just going to have to wait in line for the machine to start working. So mind you, no one's voted. So it's the 7.55 when I get back. No one has voted. No one's cast a single vote. I'm in line. I'm tweeting Fair Fight Georgia. I'm tweeting like all the people, New Georgia Project. Shout out to New Georgia Project, Fair Fight Georgia, or Fair Fight um, I'm like, this is what's happening. This is where we are at this precinct. Then I find out on the social media, there are other people having problems with voting machines being down. And so I'm all calling the, the voter protection hotline, at door, you know, just trying to make stuff happen. Um, and then finally, after about, I don't even know, at a certain point, maybe like two hours later or something, we get word that the technician's on, on their way. Um, so yeah, later. so I, I finally got up, <laughs> I finally got up to the door, and mind you, some people are leaving. I will say one good thing is that there were a lot of young people there that felt good, um, very, you know, like some elderly folks. Um, I don't really, so I live in West Midtown, but where I vote at, it's like West Midtown and English Avenue, Bond City, those different kinds of neighborhoods. And I don't really get to see, there aren't many opportunities where like, cause I don't even really hang out in like where I live at much. So when of course I'm, we've been in, in the house. So it was really cool seeing neighbors. I was like, oh, these are people that live in the community and just kind of checking it out. But yeah, by the time I got to the door where, you know, we're about to go in, it's probably like maybe like 1040, 1030 at this point. Um, you know, then it's, it's hot, but then it feels like it's going to rain. And I'm wondering like, where are the people at? Somebody did eventually bring bottled water and some people did, and somebody did eventually bring like Krispy Kreme donuts. Um, so that was happening. Get up to the door, <laughs> go inside, and that. And there's some other parts too. That I'm not going to bore y'all with, but yeah, that. And another highlight was uh, State Representative Abel Mabel Thomas came through, and she pulled up, and she kind of gave us a pep talk, and also expressed, "I've never seen this happen before. This is insane. Uh, a lot of people have invoked voter suppression, which I think it was." Because, like, why are the machines working? Why did it take so long for the technician to come? Uh, there, obviously, I mean, I also learned later from some of the reporting that there were a lot of poll workers that called in sick that day. Some folks didn't show up. They had to, like, recruit some people at the last minute. So it just mm-hmm. seemed like it was, forgive my language, a clusterfuck. Um, and so that's essentially what happened. Um, but, yeah, that was that was my experience. <laughs> Yeah, and they said too um, this year some of the technicians that they had as well they were understaffed with technicians to learn how to operate the machines as well. And too. not trained for it either. 
<laughs> and not train for it either. So, I mean, yeah, I, I, I think this is definitely going to be an interesting November of what we've got coming up. <laughs> as we save the best for last with Charles. I mean, even by the by the time that you got out of there, what time was it? So there's a part two, which involves when I actually got to vote. Because I'm like, they were like, like where's, where's your absentee the text ballot? The no, no, <laughs> when I got to, up to vote, they were like, oh, where's your absentee ballot? And I was like, well, I didn't know I need to bring my absentee ballot because, and so I had to like go home and get my absentee ballot and get in line again. But anyway, it was like, it was super crazy. I ended up, but I did vote. I did cast a vote eventually after several hours, and it it it's it's what it what it takes. But my hope is that okay. So here are my recommendations. Mm-hmm. One, I think a lot of organizations, the CMP might even want to be a part of. We should probably think about this too, where we're passing out bottled water. We have umbrellas on hand. We have we have to anticipate that there might be lines. So umbrellas, bottled water snacks, of course, with gloves and masks. Oh, and also bringing gloves. I mean, folks should be handing out masks because um, that's another thing, because I think in some spaces, mm-hmm. they wouldn't even let you inside to vote if you don't have on a mask. Um, so making sure you have masks, about water, umbrellas, all the stuff. And I think that from an advocacy perspective, we should be monitoring the local elections board and just ensuring that there are steps being made. There should be Backup plan. I mean, I mean, Rodney, you know this uh, because I think you're someone that sort of works in and fills in about a lot of problem solving. But I'm like, did y'all not anticipate stuff? Y'all don't have backup plans. <laughs> like as important as this is. A, B, C, D. Always. <laughs> I'm like, y'all should anticipate all the worst case scenarios. I mean, that's just what. And I get y'all are understaffed. And at the same time, I think that you have to anticipate all the possible scenarios of what can happen. As advocates, I think that we also need to be involved in some scenario planning and we need to figure out ways that we can intervene. And shout out to New Georgia Project. I know that they were um, having volunteers pass out masks and water and stuff. But yeah, I think that we all need to be a part of that. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. I already started looking at being a poll worker because I still feel like if I can be that person that's there, that can assist the other folks. Because I understand I am, I'm still a little bit leery about the COVID. I really am. I'm still leery. And even in my polling location, most of the people were wearing masks and they were still distancing us in the line, which probably of course made the line longer. But from an advocacy standpoint, I was like, I can still be a poll worker. Like I can get a day. And this is another recommendation that I have as well that I'm like suggesting to my employer is that I don't understand why we don't get time off to vote. I I understand early voting and all of these things and that we have the ability to work from home. But even if I hadn't gotten to the polls at 6.20 a.m., I would have been late back to my house to, to work from home. So I still don't understand why employers in Georgia don't allow us to just take time to vote. That's a recommendation that I'm making to my folks. Her company, because some companies do. So again, it's, it could just be your company. So. Yeah, that was a thing too. I couldn't imagine. It could be. Luckily, my employer uh, let me have the day to vote. Yeah. But I couldn't imagine if I worked somewhere where that wasn't allowed. Because again, I spent a significant amount of time trying to vote, navigating the process. And even I had to like, you know, juggle some meetings around and, and stuff like that, which I wasn't happy about. But I, I could do it. But if you couldn't do it, I mean, that must be awful. So maybe we need to break out the. Maybe we do need to have a CMP uh, face mask <laughs> and Come get out on. there. 
All right, Brandon. <laughs> this, this is where the importance of voting comes into play because some states are thinking about making election day a state holiday. So companies have to recognize people have to go out and vote. Now, you could still have employees come to work, but by, by default, it's a holiday. You can't, quote, discipline them or fire them or whatever because they're doing their duty as a, you know, as a you know, constituent to vote. So, you know, we got to put the right people in office. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's why I'm like rec making that recommendation to my employer because it's the same thing. I mean, I'm coming back home anyway, so I can just work when I get back. But um, I imagine some of the lines were long as well, too, because people were getting off of working from home at 5, 5.36, trying to rush over to the polls and staying in those lines. I also have a question for you, Dennis. I see you sitting over there. Um, as far as being one of the younger people here on the call, uh, being that you are a college graduate, congratulations as well, if people out there don't know. Um, within your own circle groups and your friend groups, I'm not sure if you still interact uh, with some of your college folks that you may associate with, but do you feel that it's a, a surge right now with young people getting out to vote uh, from before, maybe in the last election that you've seen? Because I didn't, I didn't see that many people at my place. So I don't know, within your friend groups and stuff like that, are y'all talking about voting? Are you uh, seeing more people out to vote? Yeah, I mean, there's, uh, you know, there's always like a class divide. So all the, all the, all the middle-class bougie folks are gonna be like, go vote. But then for like the people I grew up with, who grew up in the hood, who grew up with police violence, it's like, it's like, you know, people understand voting, but when you're voting, it, it doesn't, it doesn't know, it doesn't change the way your everyday life feels. And so um, this debate we always have at the CMP, like who votes, right? And mm -hmm. for me, it's like, you know, growing up in Flatbush in Brooklyn and then living here in Fine City. It's like I see the people who vote. And I understand why. Why it's like I don't. I don't feel like I want to go vote. And I don't shame those people or neglect those people. I think. I think. So for the people around me, it's like the people who are going to vote. We're always going to be the people who vote. They're always going to say. They're. They're always going to say go vote no matter what. And the people who say like I don't feel like it's going to do anything. They're probably people who are always going to feel like, you know, it doesn't do anything. And so I think it's always about uh, understanding both of those. Um, you know, black people are not the only people who don't vote. Asian American people don't vote. <laughs> you know, it's, so it's like who's invested in the system um, and all that. And so we have to find ways of um, challenging the system, which is like you know, protesting and stuff does, in a way, in a way to incorporate, in um, a way to incorporate those politics in a way that holds people like accountable um, and stuff to their actions. Um, so that way, later on, people do have to go vote. They can be like, you know, this is some, this is something that's going to work for me. Now, I, now I think, I think there's times when you participate in voting to, I believe, a harm reduction, right? So I believe, I like, you know, fuck. So I, there's no candidate that I like, but there's, there's times when you have to vote for a certain candidate because it can reduce harm to other people. But if you're the person being harmed, you're like, I don't want to be harmed, period. <laughs> I don't want to feel that impact, period. And I mean, voting isn't just about candidates, too. They're like, they, I mean, even on this past ballot, there were ballot initi initiatives, such as around uh, uh, climate, climate change and, you know, other sort of referendums. So it's not, I mean, so certainly there are candidates that are 
or something. You remember though, there was a Marta sales tax that was on the um, ballot. What was it like last cycle or so? So I mean, it's also about like ballot referendum too that affect people's lives. Like a, a sales tax, a one percent sales tax affects everybody. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. So just educating folks on that. Yes, it's about. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Because I just this is, I'm, and I'm no way trying to judge, but I have a, a hard time hearing some people, our especially our people, saying that. Well, if I vote, I feel like nothing's going to happen. But it's kind of productive if you don't vote, because then you don't vote, then the people who are voting are probably going to vote against your interest anyway. So then if they create these people who vote, put people in office who are creating, let's say, laws and put people in office who aren't working at your best interest, you can't say shit because you didn't vote. I have I have I have a hard I have a hard time still holding that argument as like the argument that like people don't just because people don't vote means they don't have a voice. Like you always have a voice. And we always have to be with the people who feel disenfranchised, who feel the most oppressed, who feel the most hurt by the system and understand why why if they say they don't they don't wanna vote, why you don't wanna vote. You know, like I said, Asian American Asian American people don't vote either. Like it's not like black people don't vote. Like all these people don't vote because there is no investment in the system and feeling the, the feeling. And and Asian American people, Asian American men also make the most money of all demographics. So you think there would be the people to vote, but if you don't feel any investment in the system, then you're not going to be like, let me get out there. And 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 we have to have these. And we have to have, hold faith for multiple um, strategies and multiple and, and multiple ways of, of of navigating our realities. And doing and doing both at the same time, and at the same time, you old older folk need to under, need to understand like you can't just keep regurgitating this argument like it's dead, it's dead, it's dead in the ocean now, like it's dead, it's floating away, it's just, it's, it's it's like a whale, it's bloated. There's gonna be multiple strategies, and historically we've always had multiple strategies. So we're doing multiple things at multiple times. We're attacking from multiple dimensions. Resistance is happening from everywhere. I can see both sides. Of, I can see both sides of the coins. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't want to interrupt you, uh, Daddy Rod. But I can see both sides of that that argument and that that coin in there. So I definitely thank everyone for their perspectives. Before we get out of here, um, I just want to ask: any last thoughts, opinions, cares, concerns? What are we looking forward to in the future of voting? I'll start with you, Daddy Rod. Well, I, I'm a firm believer in voting. Uh, so I do hope, you, if you have not registered to vote, please register to vote for November. If you have not done the census, please do the census. Because um, that does affect you too. So, uh, and I guess speaking from personal experience, where, you know, I was protesting and I got jailed and stuff just to help people in my neighborhoods in Bay Area, to you know have you know vote to uh, block or to you know you know to battle this voter suppression. This is why I'm very adamant about voting. So when I hear people, and I'm not knocking Dennis's, you know his his speak on um, his speech on that, but it's just I have a hard time. Like you can protest all you want, but if you don't vote the right people in office to make those changes from the local level, the state level, to the federal level, you can protest all you damn want to, but ain't shit going to really change. That's just my mindset. So you got to vote. <laughs> so I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> Thank you, Dennis. Yeah, I think 
like I, like I said, and I'll say it again, it's always about multiple strategies happening at the same time. It's not just about voting. It's about also being in the street. It's about recognizing that you're saying defund. You're, it's, it's about recognizing that you're saying um, defund the police and mayors are across the city are saying, no, we're not going to defund the police. We might cut the budget, but we're not going to defund the police. Um, and, re and recognizing that if, that this is, if this is your demand and this is what they're doing, why you don't want to vote? Because they're not because the people you voted for aren't being responsive to the things that you want. So it, it it's it's always it's always about doing both and doing and doing and doing everything and doing everything all the time. And at the same time, we're gonna stop shaming people when they be like, I don't think this is gonna work for me. And understand and understand that and being with the people and being with the people and being fluid enough to say like. My, you know, I understand that, and to be like water, you know, in the Hong Kong protests, they they say like be like water to, to to navigate to you know navigate just police protesting. But I think that's something that 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 that, that all resistance movements should be using is to move like water, is to be fluid, to be like I get that, I get that. This is what I can tell you. This is what I hope you do. But when you don't, there's other there other ways you can be involved, and other ways that are going to be impacting. And you always have a voice. Your voice is always there. Because some because sometimes it, it may it may just because you didn't vote just participating in these politics sets sets these ideas in motion so then so that when we have catastrophes right when we have these sudden moments that those ideas are always floating around you know Naomi Klein talks about this we can then grab those ideas defunding the police abolishing police has been around for a long time but because people who who a lot of people the same people who weren't voting were still having these conversations. Guess what? Now we're protesting because we're tired of people are dying, and now we can latch into ideas, and now we and now we can make uh, and now we can even have the conversation. So your voices matter. Your voices will always fucking matter, and they fucking matter to me. And that's on period, bitch. Come on, period. Use your voice. <laughs> and Charles Stevens. Well, what I appreciate is the passion. I believe that, from what I I'm hearing from Rod and what I'm hearing from Dennis is a profound commitment to Black people and profound commitment to um, our plight. And to that point, strategies may differ, values may differ, but I think the goal is still the same. And that is the point, that is a location that I'm really interested in us prior, like sort of centralizing, like the, the part where we all agree, we all care about Black folks, we all care about what's happening, strategies might be different, and we can talk about that but we have the same goal. And I think that's the beautiful thing and that's what I'm most inspired by. Yes, I agree. So I thank you three gentlemen again for joining us on this episode, talking about Georgia voting and our experiences. So we wanna hear from you as well, wherever you are, what your experience is voting. Um, as well, uh, we're gonna put the voter protection hotline information in the comments as well. So um, as Charles said, earlier it's a very important resource and tool um, if you are experiencing anything that you may feel is voter suppression definitely um, to hit that line up and um, you said New Georgia Project I believe Charles yeah we'll put some resources down fair fight New yeah. Georgia Project um, there are just a lot of resources available yeah so definitely make sure you know the ones that are available to you in your area um, but as always check us out on our social media at the counter narrative Facebook and Instagram at Building Desire on Twitter. So thank you again for joining us for another episode of Revolutionary Health, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>